Hey friends, and welcome to episode 39 of It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. I'm your host, Anna Dearman Cornick, and today's episode is all about parenting, but also way more than just parenting at the same time. You'll see what I mean in just a sec. Today's guest is Danielle Bettman, and when I learned that Danielle is a parent coach, I was totally intrigued. This whole time, I thought I was just supposed to read books and figure everything out on my own, but it turns out there are amazing people like Danielle who help parents figure out this whole crazy parenting thing. Now, if you're not a parent, and I know a lot of you aren't, you might be scratching your head about how this episode might be relevant to you. And here it is. We're all grown-up kids. And a lot of the same strategies that parents can use during a toddler's meltdown on the cereal aisle in the grocery store are applicable to dealing with your hangry coworker on a conference call. We're all grown-up kids who need our needs met, who need attention, and who need to feel loved and that we belong. But before I get too far into the meat of this interview and give it all away, let me tell you all about Danielle. Danielle Bettman is a speaker, entrepreneur, and parent coach. She helps parents of strong-willed kids ages 1 to 7 who are looking to boost their parenting toolkits, get on the same page, and feel like they know what they're doing. She teaches key paradigm shifts on behavior and discipline and shares stories from her own family. Together, they implement new strategies that lead to thriving families. A certified teacher, Danielle left the classroom to visit families in their homes because what happens at home is what wires kids parents are doing the most influential work while feeling exhausted and with no training. Danielle created wholeheartedly her coaching business to come alongside parents by cheering them on, celebrating their wins, and encouraging them to always remember the worth of their work. In today's conversation, Danielle shares the exact tools and strategies she uses with her own family, including something called a family business plan. She shares what it means to be a parent coach and how she works with parents to help them overcome differences and raise kind humans. She talks about the single most important thing that you can do with your kids to help them feel loved and taken care of. Plus, We talk about how to connect with kids and support other parents, whether you have kids of your own or not. During our conversation, you'll hear us mention acuity, or maybe it's aquity, we're not entirely sure, but either way, acuity is the number one online scheduling tool for busy people. We both use it in our business to keep ourselves from getting double booked, Plus, the automated reminder emails keep our coaching clients, podcast guests, and meeting attendees in the loop and typically on time. If Acuity sounds like it would make your life easier, visit abouttimepodcast.com forward slash Acuity. That's A-C-U-I-T-Y to test drive it for free. I'll also link Acuity in the show notes so you can find it there. 
As usual, you know you can find all the details for this episode in the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 39, including that link to Triacuity, plus links to Danielle's podcast, Failing Motherhood, and the other links and resources she mentions. Danielle has also created an amazing free resource for It's About Time listeners, the Calming Big Emotions Workbook. This totally free five-page printable download shares five simple steps to take when big emotions have gotten the best of your child's behavior. My Millie is 18 months old, and I know the terrible twos are right around the corner, so I'm really grateful to have a resource like this ready to go when that time comes. You can grab your copy of the Calming Big Emotions workbook over in the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 39. Finally, I want to thank you again for tuning in and being a fan. And if you haven't yet, I invite you to click the subscribe button to be notified as soon as new episodes and surprise bonus episodes go live. If you like what you hear, I'd be so grateful for your review. Your reviews play a huge role in helping others find It's About Time in the search results. And with that, it's about time we get started, so let's get this show on the road. You're listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Around here, we believe that busy is not a badge of honor. Your host, Anna Dearman Cornick, is here to share tips and strategies to help you make the most of your time. Listen in on real conversations and success stories to find out how other go-getters are getting things done. If you're ready to step away from the overwhelm and spend your time on what matters most, then you're in the right place. Here's your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman Cornick. Hey, Danielle. How are you? Hey, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me today. Of course. Thank you so much for joining us. I have just been so looking forward to our conversation today. Um, I am completely intrigued by the work that you do, especially being the mom of a toddler and all of the um, wonderful challenges <laughs> that go along with being the mom of a toddler. And I, uh, I told the listeners a little bit about you in the intro, but as always, I would love to hear from you in your own words, how you spend your time. Sure. Well, I live in Omaha, Nebraska, and my family, it consists of me and my husband, who's my high school sweetheart. We've been together about 17 years now. And my two daughters, they are seven and six. And since COVID, we have all been hanging out in our two-bedroom apartment, <laughs> which is very claustrophobic. Oh, but um, my husband is a chef, so he spends his time making dinner, uh, so I'm very spoiled. But the rest of the time, we have been homeschooling, and I have been working from home. Uh, just recently, we got sh- started sharing a nanny with a friend so that the girls can um, go over to a friend's house and I can get some time to actually work in solitude, which is amazing. (laughs) But for the most part, our days are spent uh, hanging out and um, playing Uno Flip. Uh, That's a big family favorite of ours. And uh, swimming and yeah, just enjoying the heat right now. 
Right, right. I love it. Well, I have to ask, um, what type of chef is your husband? Like, what is his what is his cuisine focus? I don't even know the right question to ask. What kind yeah. of food did he cook? <laughs> he, he went to school um, in Rhode Island to be a chef, like the two-year regular degree. And then he got a follow-up degree in food science and technology. Oh, wow. And so he was actually like a research chef for some of the frozen food lines for a major um, food corporation here in Nebraska for a long time until he just really, really, really wanted to make food for people and see them enjoy it again. So he's actually working for a bakery right now that is um, French style breads and pastries. And so we get um, croissants and baguettes all the time at our house and it's amazing. My mouth is watering. Oh <laughs> my gosh, how lucky I am. So your your husband is a chef and yep. he's been taking on the you know the food making duties during the COVID the COVID stay at home life. Yep. So tell me about what work looks like for you. Yeah. Well, prior again to COVID in the before times, mm-hmm. um, I was doing all in-home consultation and in-person parenting classes. So that looked like, uh, you know, after bedtime, I would um, go visit a family's home once their kids went to bed. And one-on-one, I would work with them to problem-solve individual strategies that would work Uh, for the problems that they're experiencing and the behavior struggles and uh, help them find ways to meet their goals of a better, you know, culture in their home or better relationships or compliance and obedience and things like that. So it was all in person um, and in home. And then I had some workshops and some speaking engagements and some um, like series that were in partnership with other programs And so all of that got kind of shut down once we Mm -hmm. had to stay at home orders. So now I've shifted to uh, virtual only. So Zoom is everyone's best friend now. Right. Um, So all my clients I meet with over Zoom. And then I have also started a podcast of my own, um, expanding into this online space um, since we've been at home. And that's called Failing Motherhood. And it's all about uh, the fact that we know none of us know what we're doing. And we all feel like we're failing. (laughs) So we may as well talk about it and own the fact that we're never going to feel like we're not screwing this up, but we can rest in the fact that we're somehow the right parent for our kids. So. Oh my gosh. I, I, first of all, I, I I love that failing motherhood. I mean, we're all just doing our best and. Yeah. I mean, if if you're listening right now and you are a mom, I really, I really hope that, you know, Danielle can, you know, just help you see that, Hey, we're, we're doing the best that we can. We're all just kind of getting by. There's no roadmap for this. And, you know, if you're listening and you don't have kids, you know, whether you want to have kids or you don't, you know, I think that I'm excited about Danielle just sharing different things about what she does that, you know, you can, um, that can, you know, make your relationships with other kiddos in your life better. Yes. So, okay. Um, so during this, you know, stay at home, you've transitioned mostly to zoom meetings. So tell me a little bit more specifically about, you know, how you help parents through these zoom meetings, you know, what exactly are you working with them on? 
Yeah. So I specialize in families that have kiddos from the age range of one to seven for the most Mm -hmm. part. Um, And they're welcome to have older siblings than that. But that is where my teaching degree is based, is birth through third grade. Mm -hmm. And that's because that is one solid phase of parenting where you're laying the foundation for everything. And it's primarily teaching from the ground up. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of the a basis of that is your relationship and the parent-child mm-hmm. relationship is where all the stimulation really comes and with it's hard work and it's important work and it is worth the work but it is um, very overwhelming and high pressure to uh, feel like we are wiring our kiddos foundation for their subconscious mind and their self-talk and their like image of themselves and their worldview and how they understand how to get their needs met appropriately and just all the big things. So families come to me that are struggling to day to day that are having um, a lot of arguments between their spouse and them about parenting mm-hmm. because they're not agreeing what reaction or response or consequence is appropriate, you know, for a certain behavior or misbehavior. Um, and it's causing a lot of strife in the family where, it just feels like everybody hates everybody. Yeah. <laughs> it just sounds like you you help everybody get on the same page. Yes. Yes, that's huge. Because I immediately when I started working with clients, I had done home visiting for a previous program um, as a nonprofit before starting my own business. And I just realized how hugely important it is for both parents to feel like they're on the same page of of the big things of where are we going? What does success look like for us? What really matters? How are we spending our time and money? Like what, how do we want to feel in our home? All of these really big things. If you don't feel like you're on the same page, you have no trajectory to get anywhere, then you're just constantly going to feel lost in the day-to-day muck of these seasons of potty training and all of the things. So I help families dial it back and zoom out and say, well, what really matters here? What's really going on here? What's the deeper root of this issue? What's the pattern we can see? And I just help them get a a much bigger perspective um, on the day-to-day that they're seeing. And then with that, we can better understand what's going on in the kiddo's head and what's also affecting that parent's ability to stay calm and really look at things very holistically about what's all going on for that family. I ask them about their stress level and every area of life and just really kind of create this plan of attack that's going to work for that family's specific situation and help them better understand where their child's coming from so that they can better and more effectively communicate with that child in a little language they're going to understand. Yeah. This is so fascinating because I'm seeing in talking to you, I'm hearing for the first time that I don't have to figure this out all on my own. No. So many, so many times as, you know, as a new mom, as a parent, we feel like it's our, like, we've got to figure it out. There's no one who can help us with this. And if we look to our parents and don't necessarily agree with or align with the way that they did things, we can feel kind of lost. So it's so... It's so amazing and comforting to know that we have a resource in someone like you. But before we dig too much into 
you know, how exactly you help parents and, you know, what that really looks like. I'm, I'm, so I assume that everything with your home and family life and your children is perfect all the time, right? (laughs) Didn't you hear the name of my podcast? (laughs) (laughs) So, so here's my big question, Danielle, you know, you are launching a podcast, you know, failing motherhood. I can completely vouch for the fact that, you know, podcast episodes, solo recording, the whole process, you know, it's no small feat. It's, it, it can be time intensive, especially as you're preparing to launch and getting things off the ground. So you've got a podcast, you have your two girls, you are you know running your business, you are meeting with parents and families a lot of time in the evenings. You know, mm-hmm. how do you, how do you make all of this work and keep your head on straight? That's a great question. <laughs> Um, thankfully, um, one of the most practical tools that I started using right off the bat was equity for my scheduling. And Ah. that has been a game changer in just never having any back and forth scheduling wise with Mm -hmm. my own family and with the clients that I'm trying to schedule and with podcast interviews. All of it goes through my equity scheduler and I can have things that I send all the people. Sorry, I did not mean to interrupt like that. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I get I get really excited. I um I, I yeah I have to like hold myself back and sometimes I just can't do it. Sorry. Um, okay, so I've been calling it acuity. Oh, I guess I've never heard it out loud. So acuity sounds good though. I like that. Maybe, I think it's maybe. Either way, either way, <laughs> either way, whether it's tomato, tomato, equity, acuity, whatever, yeah. I, totally on board. I feel you. I, I actually, so if you're listening, um, I use, if you're listening, those of you who are listening, <laughs> I use acuity for scheduling my coaching appointments, for my podcast appointments. And it is truly, just like Danielle was saying, a lifesaver in stopping the back and forth. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm done interrupting. And... <laughs> Back to you, Danielle. Take it away. My my favorite thing that I love about it is that if I add anything random into my personal Google calendar, it blocks me out from my availability on yeah. the coaching calendar immediately. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that gives me such peace of mind that I can just have a balance between all of my calendars of all of the life things that are happening mm-hmm. throughout a day and be, know that I'm never going to double book myself because that is yeah. my biggest fear. Mm, yes. Acuity, equity. Um, <laughs> it's like it has the ability to save you from yourself because yes. <laughs> it, it knows your calendar better than you do, which is another great reason to make that transition from using a paper planner to a uh, calendaring things digitally because there are so many great, you know, programs that, that you can use to enhance that. Awesome. Okay. So what else, what else is your, is your go-to for making life happen? Um, I do still have a passion planner, so Mm -hmm. that's my paper copy. And I usually just copy the calendar appointments down into it each week, but I love to use it to refer back to all week with just my ongoing to-do list. Yeah. Of being able to time block some things in and, you know, write the things in that I already did that I now get to cross off. Yeah. <laughs> you and me both. You and me both. I keep a paper planner for that same reason. It's so gratifying. <laughs> um, so I use that and that's always in front of me at some in some capacity. And 
I use the the social media, you know, schedulers. Um, I think I'm using. Shoot, I don't even remember my name of it right now. Um, Let's see. I use Planoly for Instagram. I use Buffer for Buffer. That's it. Buffer. Okay, cool. Just kind yeah. of running through the list. Oh. <laughs> I know there's several. Yeah. And then I've been using Squadcast for podcasting, actually. And mm-hmm. I, I love that I can um, get the the lossless audio, you know, d- d- separate tracks. Yes. Um, and see each other, too, which is a, a nice bonus. Um, it doesn't record the video, but it just allows mm-hmm. you to, to view the person while you're interviewing. And I'm doing primarily interviews uh, for my podcast. So I love that aspect of just getting able to hear people's stories and, and get it all down. So definitely Squadcast. Okay. Yeah. I've never heard of that one. And by the way, all, links to all of these resources that Danielle is mentioning will be linked up in the show notes. So you'll be able to find those there. Um, that, that's very cool. All right. So we know that you use a scheduling tool. Your passion planner is your go-to for capturing your time blocks and your to-dos. Yes. Buffer is your social media go-to and Squadcast is your podcasting tool of choice. So yes. in addition to like the tools you use, are there any you know techniques or strategies that you guys use at home to kind of keep everything running smoothly? My husband and I do share calendars and mm-hmm. we'll invite each other to events so that they show up on both of our calendars and, you know, RSVP to each other's events, which yep. um, is necessary when, you know, you're running the family ship. Um, yeah. But we, so one of the main things that have gotten us on the same page home-wise has been writing out our family business plan, which is part of my curriculum with parents. But it allowed us to have these, like, six family rules that Mm -hmm. everything can kind of be dialed back into. And it's our shared language of we know those are the main things we're trying to instill in our kids and teach. And any time that we can make that a teaching moment, we do. And it just really helps us keep the big things the big things. And, you know, we both grew up. In totally different homes, obviously, mm-hmm. totally different right. backgrounds, right. <laughs> um, understanding of behavior, you know, different ways that we were disciplined at our house. And you really do have to kind of reconcile those differences of yeah. like, well, this behavior really bothers me because my parents would have responded in this way. And I really feel like this is important, you know, when kids get older and I have this big fear that's attached to that and I don't want them to walk down this path. And like, there's just so many reasons behind the subconscious ways that we respond and react as parents that we have to kind of hash that out. Um, So that's been a big piece of us being able to parent on the same page and support each other in the moment of how we respond to things. You know, the family business plan, I have never heard of that concept before. Um, And I, I absolutely love it. I think it's really inspiring. I'd love to hear a little bit more about that, but would you be willing to share what one of your six family rules is? Yeah. So ours are super easy to remember. And I actually stole them from like art I found on Etsy <laughs> to be fair. 
But yeah. I, I did, I did just really, really resonate with them because they summed up what we were trying to say in a quick to remember way. So our family rules that we usually practice saying every day when we were driving to school are be brave, be kind, be you, be wise, be happy, be true. Oh my gosh. I love that. That is, yeah. that is so neat. And just the fact that, you know, that's something that you guys came together, that you created. It's your family's, you know, six family family rules. Um, and that you, you, that you always go back to those. That's, that's really beautiful. That's like a really, it's a really great way to keep the train on the tracks. And, you know, kind yeah. of like what you were saying about, you know, you and your husband getting on the same page about, you know, your upbringing influencing how you show up as a parent. You know, I think about our money mindsets as well, Mm -hmm. because so much of our approach to money comes from the beliefs that were instilled in us as we were growing up and what we were exposed to and the type of language that, you know, we were exposed to in terms of money. And just like we bring different parenting um, philosophies to the table. We bring different money mindsets to the table as well. So that's another, that's another opportunity to kind of use that same philosophy to get on the same page, um, before you, before you get too far down the road, you know what I mean? Yes. Before it causes too many problems. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's really cool. Okay. So, Okay, y'all. So I know we could all probably use a little more time in our day, right? You're no stranger to busy schedules and intentionally filling them up to the brim because you just have so much to get done. But sometimes it feels like you don't really ever have the time to just slow down and enjoy the simple things. Simple things like when my toddlers are giggling and playing nicely together in the backyard, or when a Sunday afternoon nap sounds too good to pass up. We all want more time to enjoy these kinds of things, right? Well, if you love personality quizzes like I do, then you're in for a treat. In my new quiz, which you can take for free at AnnaDKornick.com forward slash quiz, I'm helping you uncover what it will take to get you from chaos to calm, to finally feel like you have space in your days. I know it can feel downright frustrating to keep using the same old time management strategies that just don't seem to work for you. You've got the planners, the calendars, apps, you're doing all the things, but you still feel like you have no time. And that's because you need time management strategies that work for your personality and your life. In my 10 plus years working in crisis communications and chaos management, and all the time I've spent with my clients, I've learned that everyone has their own needs. And knowing what those needs are can really help you discover the best approach to planning your days. Knowing yourself can help you ease up busy schedules, and find more calm and clarity in your week. Do you want to know how to get there? To have more breathing room in your days? Let's figure out your time management personality type so you can uncover exactly what you need to do to feel more productive, less stressed, and more balanced. You can take the quiz at AnnaDKornick.com forward slash quiz, and I'll make sure to link to the quiz in our show notes. All right, on with the show. You know, 
Going from that family business plan being a key part of, you know, what enables you to do what you do between, you know, work and your husband's work and your podcast and just generally being a mom, you know, I would love to dig a little bit more into, you know, your, your approach Mm -hmm. as a, a parenting coach. And is that, is that the right terminology? Yes. Yep. Parenting coach. Cool. Um, so you, you mentioned that you use a strengths-based approach. Can you tell me a little bit about what that means? Yeah. So I liken so much about the ways that we respond as parents to really being able to understand the needs of our kids. And I mm-hmm. feel like a parent that really understands their kids and is the expert on their kids and knows where they're at in their development and knows what is missing or what is being met or not met, that parent is empowered and confident to make the right decisions for their child. Mm -hmm. And there is no perfect manual or formula or like A, B equals C for if you just respond to this behavior in this way every single time, then, you know, you're guaranteed to turn out a perfect kid. (laughs) Unfortunately, (laughs) that does not exist. Right. So instead, we actually have to look at things um, from a very zoomed out mindset and look at the big picture of what's happening and then look at a certain behavior, like let's say a you know meltdown or a tantrum about something, not just looking at that circumstance in and of itself, but zooming out and saying, okay, if that behavior is the tip of the iceberg, what is underneath the water? What's actually going on here? And that's what I help parents see is what's underneath the water. And a lot Mm -hmm. of that is um, what's going on with that child and how they're seeing the world and whether their needs are being met. Mm -hmm. And those all go back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yeah, where we all learned about that at one point, but it's that pyramid of core needs that every human being, uh, you know, must have in order to thrive. The bottom of that pyramid being the physiological needs. We all need, you know, water, food, shelter, um, clothes, that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. we we know obviously if our kids are super hangry or super <laughs> overtired, it is guaranteed going to affect their behavior, right? I mean, me too, honestly. Like if I'm hungry, I'm not pleasant to be around. (laughs) No. And then the step up from there is just general safety. And when our kids feel unfamiliar around a new adult or a new um, environment, or they feel like they've been threatened in any way, then that's going to affect their behavior because that need is going unmet. And then there's the feelings of love and belonging, which we know we love our kids, but the belonging piece within a family can easily become unmet because of not getting quality time, not, you know, getting things through their love language, not uh, feeling more in competition with their siblings for their parents' attention. Um, So that's where that need can get really triggered. And then from there is that need for control. And we know kids want to be independent and be the boss. And that is not a bad thing. We all want to feel in control of our life. We want to know when we wake up that, you know, what's going to happen next and that things are predictable and consistent. And that makes us feel okay and, you know, in, in control of our life. 
And when our kids don't feel like they have enough um, opportunities to share their voice or their opinion and things, and they feel like life is just happening to them willy-nilly, then that need is going to result in behavior. And so all of those things create that water under the surface. And we look at, okay, well, what's really going on here? Are any of those four areas being affected? And the answer is usually yes, multiple. And if we meet those needs and focus on that, we can proactively eliminate the need for that tip of the iceberg behavior that we're seeing, which was the aggression or the tantrums or the meltdowns or things like that. And it's a different way of looking at things, but it's more effective long-term for enabling our kids to get the skills and be set up for success in the way that they need to be, to be, you know, the good grown-ups that we need them to be at the end of this. Right. Raising nice, what is it? Raising good humans, raising kind humans. That's it. Yes. That's the goal. I love that you refer to that behavior as the tip of the iceberg, because there really is so much else that's going on beyond the surface. And, you know, of course, this is absolutely applicable to this foundation building time in a child's life, but it really makes me think of day-to-day interactions with your spouse or with coworkers or with a supervisor. And a lot of times we can be very, you know, upset or aggravated whenever they act in a certain way, act out in a certain way. And everything that you just shared from, you know, a child and parenting point of view is so relevant when remembering that someone's outburst in a work environment is just the tip of the iceberg. And chances are there's so much else going on below the surface that led to that behavior. It really helps you have a much more understanding way of interacting with and relating to people. Yes. And once a parent is able to step back and say, okay, this child isn't doing this to me or it's not uh, manipulating me or it's not personal against me, then they're able to detach from that and empathize and say, oh, they are really struggling right now. Like it's not that they are doing this to me. They are just having a really hard time. And then we can start to engage with, okay, how can I help? Because I'm their grown up. I'm here to help. And exactly. when we extend that grace to the other grownups in our lives and say, they're just having a really hard time, this is not about me, then we can like respond in a way that's much more effective. Definitely, definitely. Um, it, it reminded me of something that I saw on Instagram actually just this morning, and it said something along the lines of, whenever your child has a hard day and they come home to you or they come to you and they say, like, mommy, can you just play, can you play with me for a little while? That's their way of when an adult would typically say, like, can we talk about this? Um, mm, yeah. Uh, is there any truth to that? Like, is that, is that accurate? Like when they're like, can you, can you just play with me? And so many times we, we would possibly just want to brush them off. Like, no, I've got to get dinner ready, but that can be a way of them wanting to like, I don't know, express whatever trouble they're having. Yes. Anything that we tend to interpret as attention seeking Mm -hmm. is actually connection seeking. Ah, oh, connection seeking. I love the way that sounds. Yes. And then when we see it that way, we understand that our kids are just really wanting our um, eye contact and our attention. And it is a scarce resource. And really, it's our 
um, most powerful resource in influencing our kids because they are wired through our attachment to be driven by that intrinsic reward of getting my parents' approval and their praise and their recognition. Mm -hmm. And when we realize the power that we hold with that, then we can influence and and use that so wisely to direct and reinforce the behavior that we do really want to see. Because to our kids, they would much rather have a negative attention than they would no attention. And they know how to get the negative attention. And they're almost forced to do that if we don't preempt it with enough quality attention at the forefront. Interesting. Um, So on the topic of quality attention, you mentioned uh, their love language a little while ago. You know, how soon can you begin to recognize what a child's love language is? And can you tell us a little bit about the love languages for anyone who's not familiar? Yeah, love languages were created by Gary Chapman. And they're originally love languages between spouses, I think was Mm -hmm. the first book that was written. But he's written one about um, children as well. And anytime that you can dive more into learning about your own personality and eventually your kids' personalities, it is a win because then you can better understand the dynamic that's between you and navigate mm-hmm. that relationship really intentionally. And um, the you can figure out why you have these triggers and why you're so bothered by the certain things that they do that you just rub your personality so wrong sometimes. And, yeah. and it's okay that we're opposites with our kids in some ways. We don't have to... Um, you know, say yes to everything they want and be, you know, just a, a doormat for them. Um, it's well, they're important. not meant to be miniature clones of us either. No, no. It's the whole goal is really just getting to know the child that's in front of you and becoming very curious as to how they tick and how they work. And mm-hmm. um, that is, you can do that through, I've heard, I've interviewed actually a, a gal that completes Myers-Briggs personality test on kids and oh, helps yeah. parents really understand the, what does she call it? Their like natural tendencies. Their preferences. Yeah. Their preferences. Yeah. And um, so I can definitely see the value in that. The love languages are, you know, touch, quality time, gifts, um, words of affirmation, and I'm missing the, the fifth one. Acts of service. Acts of service. There we go. That's mine. And, and I think that just getting to know being around your kids, you can start to see preferences for those yeah. um, pretty pretty early just based on what you see them really respond to. And, cool. you know, of course, there's kids are always going to love gifts. You right. know? <laughs> Some of those things are a given. Um, but there are kids that are definitely much more snuggly than other mm-hmm. kids. And they just really need that time maybe in the morning to hang out for 15 minutes before they oh. start their morning schedule. And the more that you just kind of see what works for that child and lean into that, then the better, you know, parent you'll be Um, there. Don't try to like read all of the books and figure out what's the best because you can't just apply that to every kid everywhere. You have to know what works for your kids. And, Mm -hmm. um, and you can do that through personality tests and love languages and things like that, but really just finding like, Oh yeah, it really makes the day go smoother when you know we do this together in the morning or when we set out our clothes the night before because they just need that control over that choice or Mm -hmm. maybe it's you know having them 
help make their lunch or like just it doesn't even matter but whatever works for them lean into that (laughs) and you know one thing that i'm really hearing is that you know let's say you have two three four kids you can't expect to use the same template or the same rule book for each child i mean i only have one child right now you Mm -hmm. have two and Mm -hmm. so you i'm sure you can obviously speak much better to that than I can. But it's always so interesting for, for me to hear from friends or family members who, you know, once they have that second or third kid, they're like, well, this one's just completely different. I don't know what we're going to do. <laughs> yes. They're so different, which is aggravating because you have to start from scratch. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I just figured this out. Yes. <laughs> So, so, you know, in that case, like, you know, how, how do you recommend that, you know, parents of, you know, more than one child, you know, they've got the first one figured out, they're learning about the second one, or they're learning about the third one, you know, how can they, I guess, you know, make sure that they're giving equal attention or the right amount of attention? Like, how, how does all of that work? Yeah, there is no perfect solution. And of course, our kids do seem like um, empty buckets where like no amount of time is enough time yeah. <laughs> according yeah. to them, um, which is why it feels so exhausting. But it really does show, like research does show that it is quality over quantity mm-hmm. um, when it comes down to it. And when we do um, set aside time that's really short, even when it's 10 to 15 minutes on a timer. And we call that time our one-on-one time with that one child. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they may get to pick whatever they do in that time period, like play a game, or it may be a walk around the block, or it may be an errand that you run with just that one child. But the main point of it is just making it be their time and okay. and having it even set on the calendar as a non-negotiable that they can mm-hmm. look forward to and anticipate that um really goes miles with them when they know that they're a priority to us and even if we can only commit to like saturday morning donuts or something yeah. and the rest of the week feels harried and frenzied um our, when our kids know that they have a time booked with us, then mm-hmm. they can kind of be at ease in the rest of the time, knowing that that's not going to get taken off the calendar. So um, if you can do 10 to 15 minutes each day of just like super present time, even if it's just with all the kids at once of, okay, I'm going to set a timer and put my phone away for 20 minutes and we're just going to sit on the floor and, you know, I'm really going to try to be present that is so simple, but somehow so hard to do these days when Mm -hmm. we just feel pulled in a million directions. Um, But that's really the main thing that we can do to make sure that they are getting um, that good quality attention they need to keep feeling connected to us and um, and trust us and all of that good stuff. Danielle, that's such a great actionable tip that really anyone with kids who's listening can start implementing now. I mean, 10 minutes, 15 minutes is such a tiny fraction of the time that you have in a day. And if mm-hmm. having that time set aside makes, you know, you know, an exponential difference in, you know, how your child responds as a result of having that planned 
um, that planned attention, that planned interaction, it seems like it would be such a great investment of a small amount of time. One thing that I learned reading, um, I think it was 168 Hours by Laura Vanderkam. And I believe she also mentions this in her book, I Know How She Does It. It's that according to American time use studies, mothers in, you know, now the present day actually spend more quality time with their kids, even though we have a larger presence in the workforce, even though we are busier than ever, we spend more one-on-one or quality time with our kids than the, um, the stay-at-home moms of the 1950s. Wow. I know. Isn't that fascinating? But it's, yeah. it's because when, when we have so many different things on our plates, um, it, it's almost like we're forced to manage our time better so that we are so much more intentional when we, when we section off that time and when we create that time. So, yeah, you know, I think that, that, that almost goes in hand in hand with the top, you know, your podcast failing motherhood. Like we're doing so much better than we realize. Yes. Yeah. We could beat ourselves up all day trying to split hairs about all the ways that we could be doing better. But yeah, at the end of the day, our kids love us because we're us and we're here and we know them and we love them and we tell them that. And that's really all that matters. Yeah, that's really, that's really all that matters. Um, so before we go, I, I would love to hear what advice you have for those who are listening who maybe don't have kids right now. Mm-hmm. Um, how can they cultivate relationships with nieces and nephews and maybe really close neighbors, friends who are like nieces and nephews, you know, how can they show up in a big way for these kids? Yeah. I think when we see kids and we see families out in target and you know, their kids screaming over a toy that they want, um, it's so we're so quick to judge and see right. <laughs> how much better we would handle that, or if they were our kids, you know how differently that interaction would go. Um, but when we have grace for that parent and for that child, and believe that they're doing the best they can, yeah, um, then we can really see them for the value that they're adding and the ways that they're struggling, and better see the solutions that would actually help. Um, both that parent and that child. So um, I know Brene Brown has done research on that idea of whether or not you believe that people are doing the best they can. And uh, she came to the conclusion that the people that do look at the world and see people for doing the best they can, um, they actually believe that about themselves. And that is the the main game changer because if they're able to give themselves grace, then they can extend that to others. But if you yourself are critical of how you're doing and continue to beat yourself up about all of the ways that you're failing or that you're struggling, then you can only project that onto others as well. You can't give what you don't have. Um, so it all starts internally with ourselves and our own self-image of how we see how we're doing and whether or not we have, we have grace for ourselves. So um, 
I would I would say do that do that work internally to to give to really feel like you can sit with that fact of I'm doing the best I can and mm-hmm. maybe in the past I would look now and do something differently but I did the best I could with the information I had then and I mm-hmm. made that choice and now you know it's okay to change my mind and do differently um, and when you can sit with that and believe that about yourself then you can start to extend that to the people around you and really see how you can better support them by giving that parent an hour break to run to Target without kids or um, see that that child is really hungry and overtired and just wants to, you know, hang out at home with mom. Yeah. (laughs) Like, um, it just gives you a lot better perspective on the realities of life. And, and that's where I feel like it starts is it all starts with ourselves. Mm-hmm. It all starts with ourselves, that perspective, that understanding. And I can personally think back on times before I had Camilla, you know, my interactions with other parents and having no idea, you know, what yeah. their experience is on the day to day and not really being able to understand what the constant struggle is like. Not not that it's a constant struggle, but you know what I mean? Just, Pretty you know, what, yeah, it, 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 it's always a different kind of challenge. Um, yes. <laughs> and the challenges change every day. It's like you just level up to the next challenge. It's oh, like, yeah. oh, I, I got past this. Here's, here's something harder. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, I, I do wish that, like, looking back now that I am a parent, I do wish that when I... Um, before becoming a parent, I wish that I had extended more grace. I wish I had been more understanding. But like you said, I was doing the best I could with the information, with the perspective that I had at the time. And I, you know, I know so much more now. And I just, I really appreciate that and courage that you have given us to start by being positive because whether it's leading your interactions with a child or a coworker or your spouse, you know, starting by you know, reinforcing those positive thoughts and those positive affirmations, like I am doing my best. I am talented. I am good at my job. That, that creates the energy that you move into the day with. So that's, yeah. that's fantastic advice that can be implemented immediately and used well by anyone. So Danielle, you've actually created a resource guide for the listeners. Can you tell us a little bit about this? Yeah. One of the biggest pain points in particular for parents of toddlers and young kids are those meltdowns and tantrums that we just send us into a spiral of helplessness when we don't know what to do and how to make it better and how to make it all stop. Um, So I created a a mini workbook that's five pages of um, a lot of the background perspective you need and then step-by-step what to do in the moment to help your child get calm and help you stay calm along with one of the pages being like a printable printable visual um, that you can help your child um, walk through as you're doing it together Um, So that can be uh, downloaded at the link that you can share in the show notes. Awesome. Yes. Thank you so much for creating that. You can get your copy of this five-page workbook over in the show notes. And I personally cannot wait to get my hands on it because Camilla is in, you know, toddler mode right now. And we haven't really hit like peak toddler tantrum meltdown yet, but I know those days are coming. (laughs) 
<laughs> so I'm really going to appreciate having that to be prepared. And so that my husband, Scott, and I can really start to get on the same page, maybe even creating our own family business plan yeah. so that we can really begin to approach that early foundational like discipline phase um, on the same page with the sex, you know, singing from the same song sheet, if you yes. will. Yes. So Danielle, where can everyone find you and stay in touch? Yeah, my website is parentingwholeheartedly.com. And that's where you can find um, the course of how to write your family business plan or more information about what it's like to work with me one-on-one. And my podcast, again, is called Failing Motherhood. And that's on all the podcast platforms that you're listening to this on. And um, on Facebook and Instagram, um, you can find me there as well. I am parent underscore wholeheartedly on Instagram. Um, but yeah, I just would love to help if you are in the age range and you are struggling to feel like you know what you're doing. Solidarity. There are some ways that we can problem solve together and just help you feel like you really know your kids well and, um, and be on the same page as your spouse. Awesome. Awesome. And Danielle, what's that age range one more time? One to seven. One to seven. Awesome. Well, Danielle, thank you so much for giving your time to It's About Time today. I know as a parent, I've been so inspired. I hope that um, those of you listening have enjoyed listening to and learning from Danielle. I encourage you to check out the show notes to grab that guide and to stay in touch with Danielle. Um, Yeah, Danielle, thank you again so much. And I look forward to staying in touch. Thanks again for having me. Thank you. And there you have it. We're all doing the best we can. And when you can look in the mirror and accept that you are doing the best that you can do, that grace will be extended to others you encounter who are facing their own battles and challenges, whether they're parents, coworkers, or the driver who cut in front of you in the line for the Chick-fil-A drive through You can find links to the productivity tools that Danielle mentioned, as well as links to listen to her podcast, Failing Motherhood, learn more about her parent coaching business wholeheartedly, and check out the resources she mentioned like Uno Flip, The Passion Planner, and more over in the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 39. You can also grab your copy of the Calming Big Emotions Workbook. Danielle's free downloadable resource just for It's About Time listeners over in the show notes. One more time, that's abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 39. And don't forget that you can try our favorite scheduling tool, Acuity or Acuity, for free by visiting abouttimepodcast.com forward slash Acuity. That's A-C-U-I-T-Y. Thanks again for listening, and I look forward to talking with you soon. Thanks for listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Head over to www.abouttimepodcast.com to join the conversation. Check out the show notes and dive into bonus content so you can start living your best life today. Love this episode? Be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and leave a review. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode.